It's great to see all of you today. Thanks for coming out on this uh, sunny summer day as we uh, are in the fourth week of this series called Summer Mixtape. We've been looking at the Psalms together and uh, located at the very center of your Bible, the Psalms are a collection of writings. They're, it's a collection of songs, really. In fact, the word Psalms means songs. And for the early Christian church, these Psalms served as a hymnal of sorts. These were the songs that they sang. These would have been the prayers uh, that they prayed. And if you'd like to follow along with us today in a Bible of your own, turn to the book of Psalms, uh, to Psalm 121 to be exact. If you want to use one of the Bibles around the room, it's page 429. Uh, We'll also have these words on the screen. And as you're turning there, we've got high school students that are back from a week of camp at MOVE. How many high school students? in the room were at MOVE this week. We got one up front. We had a couple in the first service. We had over 40 students uh, from Genesis that went to MOVE and five or six of our volunteers. I know they had a fantastic week together, and uh, let's be praying for them as they come back. I heard some great stories this morning. Uh, we know the Lord's doing some great things uh, in their lives, and now the need for rest, too. Our middle school students are going to mix uh, in a couple of weeks. We've got over 20 kids going to mix at Indiana Wesleyan University. I'm going with them. Pray for me uh, in going with them, but we know that's going to be a great week. I see Angie back there. Angie's going, too, and man, we just love what the Lord's doing in our student ministry, and so thankful for Connor and the team he has here. Uh, We believe students are a big part of our ministry. They're a big part of this family here at Genesis. So let's be and continue praying for them. But Psalm 121 today, uh, again, if you're turning there, I I believe that God can do a couple of different things with these Psalms uh, today and what he's been doing in this series uh, with us. First of all, these Psalms teach us about God. There's great theology uh, in these Psalms. We, We learn, we discover who he is and what he's like. And it doesn't matter the season that we're in. It doesn't matter the ups and downs that we may go through in life. He is consistent. Uh, He is the same today and for always uh, for us, this this great God of our... That's it. There we go. The green light's on. There we go. Okay, we'll try it again. Uh, And so these psalms teach us about God, but the second thing is these psalms can also help us pray. Uh, Because more than just songs, these psalms are prayers too. And uh, Jesus studied them. We know that Jesus knew them well. He quoted from them and prayed for them. And and because we want to model our lives after Jesus Christ, it's just all the more reason to study the psalms and let let them impact the way that we pray as well. And so Psalm 121 today, uh, again, page 429. Uh, we've got these words on the screen. I know we've been up and down a lot, but will you stand with me today? Because I'd love for us to read these words together. So if you can, uh, stand with us and let's just read out loud together Psalm 121. Uh, follow along with me. Let's read. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. 
There are 150 psalms, get this, Psalms 120 through 134 are a collection of 15 psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent or Pilgrim Songs. In fact, if you're looking at your own Bible, you might see a a title there underneath that that chapter heading uh, before you read those words, something like the Songs uh, of Ascent. Now, here's what that means. Because the city of Jerusalem sits at a high higher elevation in Israel, no matter what direction you come from, when you travel to Jerusalem, you are always going up to the city. Now, what's in Jerusalem? Well, for those living 2,000 years ago, the temple was located there. And this is a model of the temple uh, located at the Israel Museum in Jerusalem today. Also home to the Dead Sea Scrolls, this amazing model of the ancient city really gives us a glimpse. It gives us a picture of how the temple uh, rose above it all. Now, why is the temple important? Well, the temple was central to every life, every person living in Israel, for those living during Old Testament times, as well as into the time of Jesus. And like any faithful Jew, even Jesus would have gone to the temple regularly. It served as a place of prayer. It, it, was, a, it, it was a place of forgiveness. Uh, the temple was a, a place where you went for guidance. I mean, you went to the temple to be with God, to be close to God, and so it was like heaven on earth for the people living then. Well, the song of ascent, get this, were sung by the people as they ascended to the city of Jerusalem, all right, as they were going there for their pilgrim festivals, for these religious festivals, and later Jewish tradition suggests that these 15 psalms of ascent were actually sung by the Levite priests as they ascended each of the 15 steps into the central part of of the temple. And so one step at a time, one psalm at a time, I think you can begin to see how these psalms served as a way of preparing your heart and your mind to be with God. Maybe you can already see uh, how a psalm like this could be helpful uh, for you as you spend time alone with the Lord, as it influences your the way you pray to Him. Uh, like me, uh, maybe, even, maybe even part of what the Lord wants to do for you today is just uh, maybe this is a psalm you take. Uh, maybe this is a psalm that you memorize. Uh, maybe this is a psalm that you pray through this summer, especially if you find yourself uh, going through a difficult season. If you find yourself in, in a time of need right now, this psalm could be very helpful to you. And so let's pick it up. Let's kind of work through uh, each of these verses for just a moment, and then I've got a great story I want to share with you today. Verse 1, the writer says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? All right, this question here is central uh, to the rest of the psalm, to the rest of the chapter. And, and keep in mind, again, this is a psalm that centers around Jerusalem. It centers around the temple. And as one of my favorite teachers, Brad Gray, likes to say, it's always important to think about context when you read verses like these. And so in a situation like this one, it's helpful to ask, okay, where is the writer? Uh, what's he looking at? What are those things that he's thinking about? And as Brad points out in one of his messages on this particular 
particular psalm, the geography of Jerusalem can be pretty helpful to consider because as I already mentioned, Jerusalem sits at a higher elevation in Israel today, but it sits in a bowl of sorts. And I know you might have some difficulty picking it out from this picture, but if you can imagine the central part of the temple where the Dome of the Rock is located today, there are mountains, there's a hillside that surrounds the city. And so uh, picture Jerusalem sitting in the bottom of a bowl of sorts. And so the rim of the bowl is kind of like the mountains that surround this particular city. And in the case of Jerusalem then, the surrounding mountains pose the potential of danger. And here's why. They are so close in proximity, these mountains are, to the central part of the city. The fact is that you can't see the enemy coming, and when the enemy arrives, it's too late. The enemy's already there. They're already coming down upon you. The point is this. The city of Jerusalem was extremely vulnerable, and the writer knows this, but I don't think he's thinking about the city. He's thinking more about life, uh, maybe even a time when he was afraid or, or feeling a little helpless. And so he asked the question, where does my help come from? And when was the last time you found yourself in a pretty helpless, desperate situation looking for help? And I'm not talking about the time you were stranded on the toilet and there was no Charmin, you know, there, all right? I mean, I'm not talking about that kind of helplessness. Now, this is, I'm talking about a kind of helplessness that rocked your world. A surprise, maybe something that you didn't see coming, like maybe the day you lost your job and you knew things were tough, but you didn't think it was going to impact you. Or maybe the day that divorce was first mentioned. And uh, I mean, you knew there were some struggles there, but but you didn't know it was that serious. If you're a student and maybe you've got these great plans for college in the fall, I mean, maybe, maybe some of the finances have fallen through, and so you're not, you're not sure what the fall looks like for you now. I mean, you have these dreams, and they may not happen. Or, or maybe it was the day the doctor finally called, and they told you it was nothing, nothing to worry about, but the reality is that it, it is something, and it's greater than anything you could have imagined, and so, well, you're hurting and maybe a little upset right now, feeling pretty helpless. You know, from what we can tell, the writer of the psalm has at least been there. Uh, if he's not going through it as he writes this, and we don't know his circumstances, but what we sense is that he knows the feeling, like he knows what it's like to feel helpless. But what makes me think that he's writing with the past in mind is how he responds next, because right away he answers his own question. Verse 2, he says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven, and earth. That word help there is the Hebrew word ezer. It means helper. It means strength. It means to, to aid. It's a word that's used exclusively of God in the Bible. And our helper, as the writer says, he's the maker of heaven and earth. It's almost like you can hear the writer say, you know the one, like the one who created the Grand Canyon. Uh, the one who imagined something like the Great Barrier Reef or, or Mount Everest. And, and more than that, this is the same God that made you and he made me his most prized, you know, creation. And, and so he's our helper. He is this all-powerful God. He's sovereign over everything on earth, as the writer says, including the mountains and anything that might be hiding in them. 
And so when we're in need, when we feel helpless, this writer, the one who's been through it before, he just wants to make sure that we know that God is sufficient for anything and everything that we might need. And from there, he begins to describe for us how God helped him and how he helps us. Verse 3 says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I remember one time I was out running, and I was out running alongside of a busy road. I was running on the sidewalk, and I was coming up to the intersection, and I had the go. I had the little white guy on, on the intersection, and I kind of did a quick look both ways and proceeded across the intersection. I didn't see it, but my feet found it. There was like this metal ring on the ground, and I, I didn't just get one foot in there. I somehow managed to get both feet in there at the same time, and I mean, I went down. I mean, I went down quickly right in this intersection, and so in order to redeem myself, I kind of just jumped up and did a ta-da, you know, for everyone, and not even acknowledgement. I didn't get a laugh. I didn't get a holler. I didn't get anything. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe nobody noticed what had happened there, but the writer says this. The writer says that God, our helper, will not let your foot slip. Uh, he will not let you stumble. And that just means that no matter what comes before us in this life, uh, no matter the circumstances, no matter the problem, he won't let you stumble. And not only that, but he doesn't take his eyes off us. He's always watching, and he watches us at all times. And that's, that's a contradiction to what the people living then actually experienced, especially those that were looking to other gods, looking to these false gods, because there was this belief in the ancient world that the gods actually slept that they would sleep, and so there were times that they wouldn't respond, and so the psalmist just wants us to know that, hey, this God of ours, the only true God, he never sleeps. He's always watching, and the Hebrew word for watch here is the word shamar. It's a, it's a military term, uh, but for what a guard at a post is responsible for that this, this guard, he's always vigilant, he's always watching and protecting, he's never sleeping. And so he continues, the Lord watches, he shamars over you. He says, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. There was this ancient belief that even the, the moon, you know, if you were trapped in the wilderness, even the moon could cause you to go crazy. In fact, it's where we get the word lunatic from. All right, and so God says, no, the sun's not going to harm you by day. The moon will not harm you by night. What he's doing is he's just emphasizing here the degree to which God watches carefully and intently. That means that he keeps watch every hour of every day. That includes those lonely and anxious moments, those times during the day when you, you can't think, you can't move, you feel trapped, you know, you can't seem to get anything done. The writer says he's watching. It's every hour of the night, uh, even those hours when you can't sleep. You know, your mind won't stop. You need to be resting but can't. Our God watches over us every moment of every day, no matter the issues we face. But there's another phrase here. It's in verse 5. Look at this. Look at it again. The writer says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. It probably won't surprise you to know that much of Israel is wilderness. It's desert, really. And uh, like any desert, I mean, it can get extremely hot during the day, but at the same time, that very hot day can quickly turn into a cold night. And so, especially during the day, any amount of shade can be a wonderful thing. And so, imagine even taking your right hand and being able to block the sun, even if it's just for a moment. 
even to get just a little bit of relief, a little bit of encouragement to keep going. And so this is the writer's way of saying, you know what, God's protection is like that that he protects us, like the shade protects us from the heat of the day. His, and sometimes his help and sometimes his relief for us is so obvious, like you can't miss it. But there are other times that his help isn't much more than the shade that his hand provides for you and provides for me, even as we go through these difficulties. Not a lot, just enough. It's just enough. And why the right hand? Well, because it's known as the, the hand that works. And so we can be assured that whatever we're given to do in this life, whatever comes before us, no matter the severity, His covering and His protection is sufficient for all of our work and for all of our efforts. And so Psalm 121, it just tells the story. You need to read it as the testimony of someone who's been there, who's been through it, and God's faithfulness in this person's great time of need. I want to share with you the story of one family, a part of Genesis Church, and how God demonstrated some incredible faithfulness at what seemed like a very helpless time in life. This is their story. Check it out. So I woke up Tuesday morning. It was about 4.30, and it was pretty evident that um, something was wrong. So we called our doctor here, and she's like, um, you know, you're bleeding a lot. You need to go to the emergency room. You need to at least get checked. And I was really frustrated because we're supposed to go to the zoo that day. <laughs> and I was like, we're going to be late for the zoo. This is our, um, as Chris likes to call her, our bonus baby. My little mantra, if you will, in the new year was faith over fear because I was <laughs> really apprehensive about uh, being a mom again. Well, it was kind of my idea to um, do something big for spring break because um, it was kind of like we're not going to travel for a while with the new baby. So what can we do that was big? So we went to San Diego. I always wanted to see the zoo. We were like, let's go. Let's go big. We're going to San Diego. Um, so when we got admitted to the hospital, um, they took me back to triage and they were trying to determine what was causing bleeding. So I was 24 weeks pregnant and he's like, you're being admitted to the hospital. This is indefinite. Um, the next four hours are critical. Um, and then the next 24 hours after that, um, we just, we're getting ready to have your baby, basically. All these different nurses coming in and out and hooking her up to this and that. and filling out all this paperwork, because we were new patients, right? They had none of our history, so much going on, so. I think for me, as soon as Dr. Dowling left the curtain, <laughs> if you will, I just lost it. I, um, that's the only time I think I just cried, because um, I was like, this is too soon. I'm gonna, we're gonna meet our daughter today. We might lose our daughter today. And um, it just, it just like floods you and you don't know what to think and that you can only respond. And so I just started to cry. And you just, I think you just grabbed me and you're like, it's okay. Yeah. So they wheeled me up to labor and delivery and we just waited to see if the contractions would stop. They also told us that um, there's an operating room with your name on it and um, basically said that they were just waiting. waiting to basically take the baby at any minute. And he's like, if you live five minutes away, we wouldn't send you home. We celebrated, you know, that four hour mark. 
we celebrated the 24-hour mark and then 48-hour mark and then it's like okay um, the contractions have dwindled the bleeding has stopped the baby looks great her heart rate is strong so there was this one doctor dr. Gollin who came in it was April 8th we'd been there about a week and we were like just tell us like are we are we in here for the long haul? We need to mentally prepare. And she goes, you're having a California baby. And so that's three months away. And um, I think the goal was to make it to 34 weeks, but that's still, what, mid-June? I knew we were so surprised that this baby was coming, but I just had this sense that God wanted her here or she wouldn't have been here. For me, it was a lot of feelings of um, I have to trust you in a big way, and I'm really scared. I don't know how. I felt like I needed to be in both places, and that's where I think a lot of my anxiety and frustration and all that came from. Um, once I did get back home with the kids, um, they started, especially Zeb, started to show some of that emotion. Um, I remember that first, the first time I left and came back home, he literally was a puddle of tears um, hugging me when I got back home. And at that point, like, I was like, how am I gonna leave him? And then when I leave California, I'm like, how can I leave her? So that's where a lot of my anxiety and frustrations and um, stuff came from. I just started working after having kids about a year ago. And it just so happened that um, one of the senior pastors we placed was about 20 minutes away. And so within a couple days, here comes Shelton Markham, who I'd heard about, and um, uh, the team that I work with helped place at this church. And he's coming to minister to me and to be my church um, while we're out there for however long that is. And um, true to his word, I mean, Every day someone showed up from that church. They brought me socks because I didn't have any socks. Prayer blankets and handmade bibs and blankets and bunting and booties and hats. And, um, and they're just tangible reminders that these people are praying for us. And at, like every nurse would come in and they would say, I thought you didn't know anybody in San Diego. Like, who are all these people? They're our church family. They adopted me. Um, we had a connection, and um, so they're just checking in on me. And it was, I don't know, incredible. People from our church, Genesis, started taking care of us. There were meals every day. Just was things we couldn't be at at school and baseball games. We were FaceTimed for a lot of at-bats and things like that. And We had a family at church who gave us access to as many miles as we wanted um, to fly Chris and the kids back out. And that was the second time I cried like a baby in the hospital. God just showed up in huge ways, huge tangible ways. For me in the hospital one night, I think my mom was still with me. And um, I, again, again, started crying and I was overwhelmed. And it was, um, she was like, are you okay? And I go, um, I was like, people are just loving us. It's too much all the attention and all of the prayer and all of the support and I, it was like, you know how sometimes you get those little just whisper, whispers from the Lord and he was like, do you believe me? I, was, I love you this much. I love her this much. That's how God loves us. It's overwhelming. It's extravagant. It's too much. Um, and he does it 
all time. join me in just celebrating the Lord's work and that story. Uh, and the good news is God just keeps doing great things in their lives. I think Megan is at thir 36 weeks now, and uh, all the restrictions have been uh, lifted. And man, it, it's, a, it's a phenomenal story. I mean, there's so many other details that we weren't able to capture uh, in that. But uh, keep praying for them. Again, their babies do any time now in, in the next few weeks. And so I know they would appreciate your prayers. And I, I hope you saw in there too. I, I love the picture of how does the Lord help? One of the ways that He helps is through His people and through the church and through a church in San Diego. And so you are a big part of that, Genesis. And what a great reminder to each of us to the importance of being known with others in a church like this, but also being available and being the hands and feet of Jesus for one another. I mean, one of the ways that the Lord helps when we go through difficult times is He helps through His people. And uh, let's finish with these last two verses. Uh, verse, verse 7. The writer says, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I, I got to be honest with you and tell you that in preparing for this message, studying this these last uh, few weeks, um, verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm, uh, hasn't sat well with me. Um, I, I've personally struggled with it a little bit because just trying to think about how does this fit into life? How do you explain this way? Because if I'm honest, um, I've, I've, I've felt a little beat down these last few weeks. I'm sure others of you can relate. I mean, nothing serious for me, but I mean, we all know that life is hard and things don't always work out the way we want. This is a great story and you, you see a really good ending, but, but sometimes the ending, uh, sometimes the ending doesn't work out the way that we want it to. Sometimes our prayers, they seem to go unanswered. Some of you have been praying, and you've been praying for certain things for years, and you're still waiting. The, the truth is that some of you are going through some terrible, painful circumstances right now, and if not you, maybe some of those that you love. And so what do you make of a statement? The Lord will keep you from all harm. But then I discovered that the word harm really isn't the best translation, um, depending on what Bible you're reading. But the word evil is a better choice, that God doesn't promise us a pain-free, trouble-free sort of life, but He does promise to protect us from all evil. And I don't know about you, but that's just a great reminder that even when we go through difficult times as followers of Jesus, our hope is in something greater. Like we have this great hope, something greater to come, that this world isn't all there is, that we're just passing through. We are temporary residents here because as Christians, we have a future hope. We have a hope for now. We have an eternal hope at the very same time that because of Jesus Christ and because of his victory over death on the cross, things like death and disease and hardship don't have the final say. All right, that our God has the final say in all things, that this God of ours who gave up his one and only son and then raised him from the dead, he's the same one who promises to you and me that he says, I will watch over you. I will guard and protect you from evil both now 
and forever. And I love this. It didn't make it into the video, but I love Megan said this as well. She says, you know, he doesn't, here's what I've learned. He doesn't always remove the obstacle, you know, the barrier, if you would. But man, he will meet you in it. He will meet you in it. He will meet us in it every single time. He is this good shepherd that sometimes he has to lead us through the valley. And we don't always understand, but he's got to take us through the valley because there's something greater on the other side of the valley. He's our only hope. I don't know about you, but I have nothing without God. I have no hope without the Lord. And I'm not going to pretend to understand why we have to endure pain, why we go through these terrible, difficult times. But I am grateful that we have a shepherd. I am grateful that we have a God that will not abandon us. He will not abandon you. And if you feel abandoned right now, if you feel lost right now, I pray that maybe even today God will just remind you that he's there. He is your helper. He is your strength. He watches over you. I don't know what the pain is for you. But I do know this, our fears, our fears of what's in those mountains, man, they'll, they'll, they'll take control of your mind, won't they? Like they have that capability. But that's why when we're afraid, we have to cling to God. We have to cling to his word, the hope and truth that are found in Psalms like this one, Psalm 121, that we have a helper in God that no matter what we may face, God is your help. Let's pray. And Father in heaven, we are choosing to cling to that today. And some more than others, we are clinging to the hope that we have in you, we have in you a helper. And so we pray that no matter what we may face, no matter what is before us right now, no matter the fears, no matter the realities, God, that you will be God, that you will be with us, that you will be our strength, that you will be our guide, that you will be our helper. And uh, Father, maybe today, maybe for some here, maybe this is a time of celebration right now as they recall and as they look back and they watch your leadership, they watch your provision and guidance, they reflect on these things. I, I just want you to know today, you can take a moment and just thank the Lord. If he's been a helper to you, take this time right now and thank him for being a help and a strength for you. But for others of you today, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling beat up, if you've got something that's rocked your world, if you find yourself struggling with anxiety and fear today, by all means, reach out to him. Tell him you need him. Ask for his help. Tell him what you need. And let him speak to you today. Lord, we pray you would minister all around this room right now to those that are in need, those that are needing your encouragement, those that are needing a reminder of your presence. We thank you that you are an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, always with us, all-powerful, all-knowing God. We want to experience you in great and amazing ways, not only right now, but in the day to come and in the weeks to come. Lord, take a psalm like this. Take these words. Let them penetrate our heart and minds and influence what we think about you and how we pray and how we believe. Increase our faith this morning, Lord, to trust you for all things, even when we don't understand that our hope is in you, that our trust is in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.